I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 to 40 minutes with women, women of color, non-binary, and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic, and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in tech by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior, and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60-plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting into the heart of my guest's personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash the full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voices of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive, diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture to retain diverse talent so we keep the workforce power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Representation matters. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Tech Queen Yona Repishti, Head of Global Gender Programs at Digital Bree. Hi, Yona. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. I'm very happy to have you joining us from the U.S. today. How are you? I'm doing great. I just am really inspired by your work, I have to say, and, and thankful to be part and lend my voice to this incredible project. Thank you very much. And I'm excited to getting to know you. So let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's do it. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Grateful, curious, and present. This uh, third one is an intention, something I'm actively working on cultivating. How would you describe your life in three sentences? I'll try to be a bit lyrical here. I was an immigrant and the world unfolded. I found and I celebrated love and motherhood. And now I explore and work to make an impact in agricultural ecosystems. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? So this is a bit embarrassing to share, but nothing motivates me more than the soundtrack of the Rocky franchise. So songs like I the Tiger, Gonna Fly Now, Going the Distance, they really get me going. <laughs> What's your personal motto? Find joy in the ordinary. What is your favorite book? So recently I've been revisiting all fairy tales like the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen, and I've really fallen in love with them again. And this time I've been thinking about the role 
that they play in the emergence of childhood, the notions of good and bad, and really their role in birthing some of these norms that guide us today. What is your favorite podcast? The Retrievals. So this is a bite your nails, silently scream into your pillow type of story. It's about a dozen women or so that are seeking to become mothers and they go to a fertility clinic at Yale. And then these shocking events that unfold when some of the nurses steal the painkillers that the clinic was supposed to use during this egg retrieval process. So really, if you're interested in stories about women's voice, women's pain, women's credibility, it's all there. Mac or PC? A Mac loyalist. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. I don't know how to drive. What is your hidden talent? I think it's both a talent and a superpower, but when life gets really tough and overwhelming, I can turn things off, get some sleep, and hit restart. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would a title be? It's a hard one. Maybe Becoming. Great thought, Jonna. Now, let us think deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Tirana, in Albania, and I lived through a lot of transitions and upheavals when I was young. So the fall of communism, early democracy, permit schemes, wars in Yugoslavia. It was the best of times and the worst of times, but there was never a dull moment for me when I was growing up. What was your dream job as a child? My first dream job was to be a scuba diver. What was your favorite subject in school? It's chemistry. I really loved it because every element told the story. And I was really fascinated with how these molecules could be interconnected to create like chemical bonds, the very fabric of our world. It, it just seemed very magical. What was your least favorite subject? It was gym. I was in high school in post-communist Albania. Not a lot of resources, never enough equipment or space for exercise. And sometimes our teacher would make the girls exercise by cleaning up the gym. True story. And I really hated that. What is the earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? Um, I have a very visceral memory of this, but it was visiting my dad in the office and hearing those mysterious like bleeps and blops and the sound of like dial up AOL on the internet. Our kids will not know about this, but it really defined those early days. It was like the siren song of when the analog world uh, bridged the digital. Which were the three first technology gadgets you owned? It was a cassette player. I was really into making mixtapes for friends. And then maybe a camera and a phone. Who was your female role model growing up and why? When I was 10 years old, I was lucky and I got to meet Mother Teresa and I learned about her work at the Nobel Peace Prize and I was really in awe of her selflessness and the hard work that she was doing and being a symbol of peace and service. And then I grew up and really realized that her legacy is a bit more complicated and it's an important lesson that I carry to this day that sometimes idols have feet of clay and she's done some great work, but also some things that people critique. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? It did for sure. So we've been talking about me growing up in Albania and I had a lot of experience seeing how organizations like the World Bank, the UN, these international NGOs were really guiding development priorities. And it really helped me think about where were the local voices in this and shaping how things should be. And this has been like a thread that I have carried in my career in international development in entrepreneurship and in tech. Very interesting, impressive. I'm going to read two quotes now. First one, 
How does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, best way to predict your future is to create it. Jonah, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? So I went to Middlebury College, a small, diverse, and really uh, great university in the mountains of Vermont, and I studied international development when I was there. Who and what influenced you to get into your choice of field? It was both a push and pull factor. So first, I went in thinking I was going to do chemistry, and I found myself hating lab work. So the major that I chose really didn't work anymore in the long run. And then I met an incredible professor, and he inspired me to think about development as a career path. What professional roles have you had before that led you to the current one? I've worn many professional hats. I started my own foundation. I've worked at the UN. I've worked at MIT. I worked in a management consulting company and more recently an agri-tech organization. So what does Digital Green do? So Digital Green uses data and digital technology to support public extension systems and really smallholder farmers and helping them boost agricultural productivity. So one of our most recent and really exciting projects is that we've been working on developing an AI-powered digital assistant for extension agents so they can really talk to the farmers and give them customized, real-time advice. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities? I am head of global gender programs. I add a gender lens to our tech products, our programs, but I also think a lot about how to make our workplace and the culture more inclusive and progressive. How did you get your current role? I was looking really for an organization that was committed to doing the most good for future generations. And Digital Green really stood out. It was really innovative. It had this really measurable impact with a lot of randomized control trials backing up how we were supporting and helping farmers uh, be more productive. It's really scalable. It's reached about 5.2 million farmers. So it was just this big opportunity to work at the intersection of tech, agriculture, climate change, and gender. What does a typical workday look like for you? So I'm part of the strategy team, and there's really a lot of conversations internally across different teams, uh, Ethiopia, Kenya, and India, where we work, but also with external partners. And I also work a lot on like the frameworks and the strategy to make sure that our tech, like our AI chatbot that I was mentioning, doesn't leave women behind. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So, Yona, what do you love about your role? I couldn't agree with you more. I think that if you really don't believe that what you're doing is important, if you don't derive deep satisfaction from it, you really can't sustain and be successful in the long run. And what I believe in is this need to design our future with women and for women. And so new futures can better meet their needs. What is the best experience you've had in your current role so far? Any examples? Yeah, so when we launched this AI agricultural assistant in India this summer, we ran a really small pilot with about 100 users and about half of them were women. We've been really working hard to design for women. What we see in general is that tech app usage and adoption is really low from women that don't have the the digital skills. So I was really hands-on during this stage and in the user research stage. And it was really exciting when the numbers came back and we looked at them and we saw that women actually use this app two to three times more than the men. And they also use it more days. And it was really validating. Of course, there's a lot of work ahead, but really exciting, promising results. And what is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it? 
So always with this gender lens, it's really hard to embed it in everything we do. It can stretch you really thin and it can also be really intimidating. Agricultural systems in general in these emerging markets have a lot of women working there, but they make women invisible. So how do we really catalyze, how do I catalyze my team, our partners that often don't know how to start and are afraid of getting it wrong? And how do we slow down to figure out these hard problems of why tech products are often not designed for women and exclude them in this ongoing process? So it's a big question that require a lot of like ongoing commitment. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? Sometimes it can be a lonely job. I don't want people to think that they can come to me just for solving women's issues. Gender is so much broader than that. It's about rebuilding how we interact with one another. And that's what I want people to, to think about more. And what is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? I guess the same thing, that gender is not about women. What do you love about working in the tech industry? I love the possibilities. There's so much that's happening right now. And also the fast-paced rhythm, which is really refreshing from, let's say, working in more typical development organizations. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. Leona, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? So I think my biggest achievement has been giving myself permission to do the things that I love. And this has introduced both serendipity and growth in my career. And what's the biggest factors help you become successful in a success habits? I think I saw the biggest delta in my output and productivity when I started thinking about how to really focus my time and prioritize. I stumbled into that empty jar analogy that people sometimes use. Um, you have to put the big rocks first. Um, those are the three, four big things that you're going to try to get done in a year. And then the spaces in between, you fill them with the little rocks, which are the little things that make up your to-do list every day. But if you put on your to-do list and small rocks first, there'll be no room for big wins. How do you measure your own performance at work? There's a lot of ways. I think the, the thing that I'm a really big fan of is 360s. And I know that's a little bit not traditional, but they really give you a different perspective, not just on what you've achieved, but also the ripple effects of your work on those around you, people that are your supervisors and also the people that you work with. I think everybody should get in the habit of doing them. With success come failures. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? I think that there's been lots of failures, big and small. I've had a few passion projects where I actually spent a couple of years and things didn't really take off and you put a lot of time and energy and it's really draining and devastating to put so much of yourself into something and then see it not grow in the way that you were thinking it would. I recently learned about these like failure nights and their pop-up communities all around the world that where people talk about failure as really a stepping stone to success. And I think it's important to celebrate and understand it rather than just let it weigh you down. What is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? So I'll have to say it's around the potential of AI in general, but particularly around climate change and agriculture. I think it's a really big unlock on what we can do. I know a lot of people can be pessimistic, but I think with proper guardrails, this can really propel us forward. There's um, someone, uh, Roy Bott, and he has this analogy of like looms and cranes. And there's technologies like looms where 
they improve the work or they just replace a person like Weaver, right? You use Illumin. And so people think that AI is going to replace people, but I think about it as cranes. So these are things that even if you put 100 people together, they can't do the work that a crane does. So how can we use AI to do things that people would not be able to do individually and by themselves? And that's what's really exciting to be in the space at this time. Let us now jump into the influence of mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Jonah, do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today? I have a few. I use them as a sounding board and they motivate me to ask for more of my life and work. Who is the female non-binary or transgender role model you look up to in your field? There's so many. Uh, so where should I start? Uh, I'll mention three. Manti Gupta from Unconform. She's building this amazing framework on how to design products that deserve women. Amy Smith from MIT. She's doing really innovative participatory design with local innovators around the world. And then Alicia Miller works with me at Digital Green. And she's really dreaming big about building this global agricultural LLM commons that really is, should be put in place to ensure that the interests of vulnerable farming communities are not left behind or left to chance. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsor in business than women. Giona, how important do you think is to have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor during one's career? Yeah, it's super important. You know, athletes have coaches, writers have editors. I think we can all stand to benefit from having someone that guides us better in our career paths. And like you said, it's even more important for women than to others because we have to consistently work against a culture of who you know, warm connections and things like that. So I think really um, having others that have done it before guide you can be really powerful. Let's move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq said, I quote, empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. And Shelly Samber, ex-COO of Facebook, said, I quote, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure the impact lasts in your absence. What does leadership mean to you? I'll share a quote from The Little Prince that I usually think about. And it says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather the wood. Divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and the endless sea. So it's like, getting people to be really passionate about and they'll follow and they'll build the ship. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? Bad leader is one that concentrates power. A good one is one that shares it. Who is your favorite female non-binary or transgender tech leader and why? I think Mira Murati at OpenAI is someone that I am I'm watching closely recently. How would you describe yourself as a leader? Collaborative and compassionate. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? I think being humble is really important. And alongside that, being empathetic to understand other people that you work with and also courageous to make hard decisions. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? I'm working a lot in male-dominated spaces, particularly early in my career when I was young. When I encountered like opposition, I also tried to showcase this like strength and resolution. And now I've also learned as I grow older to take a more constructive approach. Um, how can we have win-wins? And it's not this like you versus me dichotomy. And I think it's really helped me grow as a leader. 
what are your three strengths and three weaknesses? So three strengths I'd say would be adaptability, problem solving, and creativity. And then three things that I'm really working on right now are time management, saying no, and being impatient. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Jonah, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? You know, I've reflected on this as I work in product-led organization, entrepreneurship ecosystem, farmer communities. For me, it really comes down to the fundamentals of celebrating differences and ensuring that there's just a fair distribution of opportunity and building these communities where everyone feels connected, heard, and valued. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? I think that it's important to explore whether the company has taken the time to articulate and really embed the values for the people to see, right? So many people just sweep it under the rug and think culture just emerges. It's not like that. So at Digital Green, we have five values that drive company culture. Four are internal. Transparency, being brave, caring, and always learning. And the fifth is external, and it's about being farmer-focused, which really speaks to the impact that we want to the world. And I think it's a really powerful framework to think like that. And as a woman, what has been the most significant political or cultural barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? A lot of challenges can be around the limitations that we give ourselves. There is someone that I've been following. It's Shiraz Shamin and was worked with 500, like half a million people around the world and developed these tools to identify saboteurs and these patterns where we speak in ways that are detrimental to ourselves. And it's been great to, to think about it in that way. Why do you think it's important for more women of color, non-binary and transgender to join the tech industry today? So I think a lot of people make a moral case or a social impact case when they talk about this. But for me, really, the bottom line is that over and over, we just see data that it's good for business. So I'm really tired of talking about it. I just think we need to move to action. And how do you speak with your colleagues, peers and community about DEIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? I think more often than we tend to in organizations, um, we should let data do the talking. So for example, sex disaggregate data, use diversity metrics around salary, hiring, and promotions. Um, at Digital Green, we also asked around and found like what people wanted to talk about. And we just actually yesterday launched this really interesting employee survey to harness the views of our staffs and themselves of what they want to think about and, and talk about. There are many public and internal discussion about the barriers women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected, it is affecting you and what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? Yeah, the numbers and the stories are depressing, but I just really am a firm believer that we need to change the systems, not the women or the non-binary or transgender uh, people that are part of these organizations and companies. The system is really rigged and we need to focus not just like breaking this glass ceiling, but so more women and others can reach leadership position, but also fixing the rungs, like the ladder along the steps that lift everyone up to professional success. And that's something that people don't focus on enough when they just talk about leaders. Today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women of color, non-binary and transgenders. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry. 
What is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? I think it's so important to not guess what women and others want, but just ask and, and really build these strategies together with them. A couple of things that I've seen in terms of like digital green, we do flexible work arrangements and pay attention to intersectionality and bias. And, and the other thing that I've recently been thinking about a lot is how to actively close the skill gaps, particularly when it comes to AI. So we do a lot of AI work externally, but can we embed it internally as well? There was this MIT study that found that workers that use ChatGPT saw their productivity increase by like 37%. And I'm really keen to not create another gender gap, this time the AI gap. And how can we really upskill, reskill uh, employees? And we're starting at Digital Green to launch these like peer learning, sharing programs to get everyone to show and tell how they've been building AI in their workflows and get others to feel comfortable and not see it as a scary technology. What would you say are the few challenges of implementing a DEIB culture in a workplace today? So I see these four big horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to DIB tokenism. So often you just like shouted from the rooftops, I hired X women and it, it's not enough. And then something I mentioned, which is this lack of data and the feedback loops around what to do. Unconscious bias. Sometimes people, even women themselves, can make decisions that can be detrimental to others. And then basically systems are resistant to change. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having not just women, women of color, non-binary and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at C-suite level and boardrooms with actual mandate? So yeah, diversity at the C-level and boardrooms, it really makes for sound and for strong businesses. Studies show that it reduces risks, it leads to innovation, creativity, better financial performance. The data is there, we just need to look at it and uh, really move forward with this. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding the EIB since you joined I am an optimist. I do think that the tech industry is evolving. I not only see that more women are joining tech, but also more women are working harder to mentor others and help others while ascending their own career. So we're going to see some good emerge in the space. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I think that just involving leaders in these conversations more. I think having discussions about not winners or losers or taking power and making the case a lot more by figuring out ways in which we can work together more effectively um, and uplift women's voices. And looking forward, what will you do as a leader beyond the amazing work you're already doing in your field? to improve the bias for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders in tech? I've been fortunate in my life, good schools, good family, checked so many of the boxes, but I think now I've really been thinking about um, how I can elevate others and help them showcase their superpowers. Let us now move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. You're not, you have, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? For me, it's all about relationships. I have this daily call with my mom every morning uh, as I take a walk. I spend time with friends that help me relax and gain perspective. And then I've also been engaging in a lot of play. I have two young kids that help me be playful and really pull out that part of myself. Have you ever experienced burnout? 
Yeah, for sure. Particularly in the tech world, I think people really glorify being in the grind and working hard and playing hard. And I think I've just become more mindful of my bandwidth and careful about what I commit to. And that's meant uh, learning to prioritize and, and say no to even some things that I wouldn't have a few years ago. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? Companies really need to understand that creative, productive, healthy employees are ones that lead rich and not one-dimensional lives. You know, their lives are not what happens in the office. So I think these companies need to discourage people from being always on, connected to their devices, and really start celebrating when people focus on their personal lives so they can better perform at work. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? I have two boys, four and six, and I just want to be someone that they're proud of. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Yona, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? Don't take yourself too seriously. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle it? I just really don't remember. Uh, I guess I must have not paid a lot of attention to bad advice, um, though I'm sure I've received a lot of it along the way. Is there something you wish you would have known or skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? Technical skills are really critical, but don't underestimate the importance of soft skills. Things like effective communication, collaboration, problem solving, they're just so critical in these tech roles. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Two pieces of advice. So one is about just surrounding yourself with really smart and passionate people. And the second one is take all the roles that are interesting and meaningful. What advice would you give to young girls, women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next generation leaders? I'd encourage them to take up space and really be confident in what they have to offer just to raise their hand and not overthink it. Last but not least, what is next for you in your role and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? So I like to reinvent myself a lot. And I recently joined Digital Green. It's a place where I'd like to stay and, and see what we're doing for a while. But I think the next role will also be based on big problems and how to tackle them. For now, although I really do think there's so much that we can do to make agricultural systems more demand-driven, more sustainable, more inclusive, and really think about the climate change that's looming large and how do we really make sure that we've got healthy food systems around the world for ourselves. Thank you very much, Yona. I look forward to following your journey around that. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast, sharing your journey without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary and transgender leaders in tech. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.com.